Welcome to Cinematalk, the podcast of the UW Cinematech. This is Mike King. I'm a programmer here. This week, we're continuing our free streaming series with Woman on the Beach, another great film from the prolific South Korean director Hong Sang-soo, and which has been newly restored from the original 35mm negative by the Korean Film Archive. Originally released in 2006, Woman on the Beach concerns a filmmaker who travels to a sparsely populated seaside resort town to get some writing done on his next project. While seeking inspiration, he becomes romantically entangled with a pair of women. First, his assistant's companion, then a second woman who reminds him of the first. On the surface, this pair of overlapping love triangles appears to be one of Hong's most breezily conventional films, but embedded within Woman on a Beach's straightforward story is a trickier web of narrative rhymes and variations, a kind of vertigo by way of Eric Romer, as its characters attempt to overcome their own preconceptions of one another. With the support of the University of Wisconsin's Center for East Asian Studies, the Cinematheque is able to offer a limited number of opportunities to view Woman on the Beach at home for free. To receive your link to view the movie at home for free, send an email to info at cinema.wisc.edu and simply write Woman on the Beach in the subject line or first line of the email and we'll get you the link. Thank you to the Center for East Asian Studies for their support in bringing this terrific film into our homes this week. To discuss Woman on the Beach, I'm pleased to be joined by Zach Zahos, whose presence will no doubt be familiar to our audience. For the past two years, Zach has been the project assistant here at the UW Cinematheque, and he recently put together the excellent Chantal Ackerman series that we all should have been enjoying in April. He's also been a programmer for the Wisconsin Zone section of the Wisconsin Film Festival. He's currently a PhD student in film here at UW-Madison, and is a hardcore Hong Sang-soo fan. Here's our conversation. Hey, Zach. Welcome to Cinema Talk. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. I, for- I just got to say first that I'm really like love that you guys have been doing this. First of all, I miss you, all you, but I'm, I'm glad that I can hear you almost on a weekly basis at this point. Thanks for doing this. Uh, thanks for joining us, and nice to see you as well. So um, we're here to talk about Woman on the Beach. Um, so at the Cinematheque and Wisconsin Film Festival, we've been keeping up with Hong Sang-soo's films as they've been released. But during quarantine, we've gone back to catch up with a couple we missed along the way. Last month, we streamed Hong Sang-soo's 16th film, Hill of Freedom, from 2014. And this month, we're backing up all the way to his seventh film, Woman on the Beach, from 2006. Zach, what can you tell us about this stage of Hong's career? Uh, I do love this period of his career for being kind of transitional, I think. there's With him, it's never like a simple, uh, uh, easy way of, of kind of periodizing it. I think a lot of people, myself included, like to uh, talk about the zooms in his films, and they talk about the one uh, previous to Woman on the Beach, Tale of Cinema. That's the first time he started zooming. Um, the one after Woman on the Beach, uh, Night and Day, is the first time he went... Um, digital and he's been digital since all digital since in his filmmaking um so the one in between um you can't really ascribe like a first to it or um, uh, a kind of a new paradigm but i do like how it's sort of transitional between the earlier works which are often very bleak and have uh i think more pessimistic or negative views of human sexuality and uh, especially uh, man's role in that uh, and and the later stuff which I think has a bit of a more of a comedic edge um, 
this has a little bit of both and I think it's a nice sort of synthesis of a lot of his tendencies and also a uh, sign of where he would be going uh, afterwards. So yeah, Woman on the Beach has um, a lot to talk about. Yeah, I mean, he's 10 years into his career at this point. Um, his previous two films have premiered at Cannes. So he's definitely on the world stage as far as art cinema is concerned here. Um, and there's a, I think, you know, you pretty much know what you're getting with the Hong Sang-soo film at this point. There's a consistency um, stylistically and thematically. And one yeah. point of consistency is that in many of his films, uh, like Woman on the Beach, we have a main character who is a filmmaker. Um, and this naturally invites us to project some autobiographical readings onto his films, something which has only increased in some of the more recent ones. Uh, what do you make of this habit of Hong's, and how does the main character, Jun Ray, fit into this lineage? Yeah, so there, I think, is an increasing, after Woman on the Beach, an increasing employment of film directors and even like film school as a milieu that's explored. And Well, I guess in general, he's, he's often casting protagonists as, um, or having them as film directors or film professors, and, and, uh, they have ideas that they profess that are actually similar to what Hong talks about in, in interviews. Usually, uh, the how how there's a negativity or a uh, at the very least ambivalence to how uh, these characters behave with regards to other characters. So yeah, Jun Rei is a uh, you know, director who is working on a working on a project. While he's on while he's on this vacation, and he's sort of stalled, so he's working through a lot of ideas. And while he's distracted, he's turning again to his uh, friend or so-called friend Ching Wook, who he's really kind of brought along to 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 get to know his his sort of quasi girlfriend Moon Sook. And there's a lot of ideas that they talk about, um, especially later on in the film. There's a Kind of a among Hong people, among Hong fans, is a, a famous diagram that he draws, mm-hmm. and that diagram has basically two figures, or really three figures. At first, there's a sort of blob that he draws that he's saying that this is reality, and we we sort of focus on points in that reality. We, for him, the example goes to sex. We're talking about, I'm focusing on your relationships with other men, and I'm even putting an image on that on that uh, relationship, and I'm obsessing over it. But then I'm also losing track of other points in this reality. Maybe you're enjoying, your, you're enjoying life and eating and doing all sorts of other things that don't have to do with sex and don't have to do with my projection of you. And yet he claims that fixation we have is, is lapsing into its own reality un- unless we actively destroy that image by trying to grasp our heads around the totality. And so that's an idea he actually kind of very sincerely brings up in this film. Jun Rei. I think it's Jun Rei brings mm-hmm. that up uh, over halfway through it in, in, uh, in, their, in their hotel room. And yet I would say that that's a more complicated smuggling in of an idea than just one to be taken at face value. 
Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, I mean, certainly the film sort of stands still for this moment. Um, you even get a close-up of the drawing, which is rare in a Hong film. Um, and what's one thing that's striking about it is that the drawing itself is very crude and sloppy. It basically looks like scribbles on a napkin. But the ideas are cosmic in their implications. Mm-hmm. And you can't help but wonder if this is just Jun Rei's amazing way to, like you know, get out of an argument that he's found himself in through all of his uh, problems that he's had throughout the movie, or if this is actually something, you know, how seriously does Hong Sang-soo take this idea, um, I guess is the question that I have about it. And, you know, he Hong himself has used this kind of move in interviews. There is an interview with CinemaScope around the time of Right Now, Wrong Then, where he also resorted to drawing very crude diagrams to explain the relationship between the two halves of that film and the relationship um, between his films to real life in general. And, you know, for such a verbal filmmaker, it's striking that there's this big moment where the film stops for this, you know, nonverbal kind of expression of a complex idea. Yeah. And I think you mentioned that he's, he brought up in woman on the beach, he brings up this diagram at a moment that he, is sort of in crisis because she's grilling him. Um, this is, uh, Munsuk is grilling him about his relationship with another woman, um, soon he earlier. And he uses this moment to, uh, talk about the, he, to sort of pivot away and then talk about reality and potentially the idea of, Oh, your fixation. I, he's, he's sort of trying to, I think, um, have his, cake and eat it too he's saying oh i'm i okay yeah mia culpa i have fixated on you and your relationship with other men and that's that's a problem because i'm not grasping what actually is going on in the world i'm i'm i have a narrow view but he's really bringing it up also i think to say well you're doing the same by grilling me about this other woman who Mm -hmm. you know who you clearly just saw me um have sex with the night before Mm-hmm. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there to to uh, to sort of uh, intellectualize this discussion so that we're no longer at the emotional and ac- accusatory level. So I, I actually enjoy that as a matter of ideas that are I think sort of simpatico what what Hong believes himself being thrown in in a sort of oblique and sort of contested way so it's not we, we, i do not think we should take the, that as a full-throated um, endorsement but as something still fascinating to ponder yeah it's certainly you know a pivotal scene in this movie and a memorable one from his career um one of the central questions that he's addressed throughout his career is finding new ways to tell a story sometimes he imposes a structural device from without like the scrambled chronology we saw in hill of freedom is a good example of this. Sometimes his formal game is more subtle, like in Woman on the Beach, which has a straightforward linear narrative, um, but it's the actions of the characters that generate the rhymes or the variations between scenes. Um, In this film, a man sort of meets, tries to recreate certain, the story has a certain vertigo kind of quality where Junrei reenacts scenes between the two women. We even see some of the same shot setups. Um, what do you make of the structural way that this film is created? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's in spirit of the films he made to that point of 
sort of usually have a bifurcated structure where the second half is sort of revisiting uh, relationships or um, the general arc of the relationship or scheme of the relationship uh, in a different way. Um, it's sort of, it still is, like you said, a, kind of a straightforward, I would say, treatment of reality compared to a lot of other films um, that he made at this point. I actually, when I first saw the film, I thought there might have been the moment where Jun Rei and uh, Munsuk sleep together. I thought the tonal treatment of that was so different and sort of positive and romantic that it would it would be a dream. Mm. And yet, I see no other interpretations like of the film really that that uh, invite that reading. And I think if you take the film as a whole, you would not say that um, that would, that sequence is a dream. And yet, I think that might have been my um, schooling and uh, uh, familiarity with his other work, to think that that was a dream. Absolutely. That'd be very characteristic, yeah. Yeah, and actually to make more complicated what is, for once, a little bit more straightforward. So, um, for with him, you're always, I think it's always talking about him in an auteurist framework where you're always tying him to other films that he already made. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And especially when we go in retrospect, we we're talking about films he hasn't even made yet. And uh, they all, they all tie together in ways, but um, this is actually remarkably uh, straightforward. And yet for that reason, because it exists among these other films, it's still um, provocative and a little um, unstable. Uh, if, if you've seen any other film, which I think in the context of the art cinema circuit, and like you said earlier, at this point he had started to break through and make a name for himself where people sort of uh, uh, recognized a profile and um, were able to follow film to film uh, with, with themes and you know sort of stylistic devices in mind. Um, with all that said, that means the simple treatment that's done here is still very productive and thought-provoking um, when viewed uh, in, a, in the continuum Absolutely. of his other films. So, um, like every other filmmaker whose work has spanned the past couple decades, or essentially almost every other filmmaker, Hong has made the switch from film to digital cameras. As you mentioned, uh, Woman on the Beach was his last film to be shot on 35mm. Um do you feel like the switch to digital has affected his work as much as it has other directors? You know, I don't think so, uh, to, to be simple about it. Uh, looking at the film again, I do realize there was a little bit of a texture to some kinds of images that in the early part of his career when he was shooting on film kind of looked different. For me, like, rain looks different. Mm-hmm. He, and maybe and maybe he even shot more in the rain in the fil- in, like the earlier films. And maybe that was also because there was, like we said earlier, sort of a, a pessimistic quality to a lot of the earlier films, and obviously rain communicates that. Um, rain looks a little different. Sometimes, like the stairwells with shadows, there would be more of a sculptural quality to, sure. to shadows. Sometimes these are pretty. But yeah. um, so, so sort of like the dark stuff, I thought might look a little different on film. Um, and of course, he's done a lot of stuff in black and white. Mm-hmm. But he's continued um, that then, in digital. On digital. Yeah. yeah, in digital. Um, 
to me, when I think of the black and white digital stuff, I think more of city lights and um, I think of snow in the backgrounds. And um, I just think of different kind of pictorial qualities. So I can't say like, uh, there's a there's a static. It's actually funny with him. We we always say he's repeating himself, but there's a lot of variation in like the backgrounds and the texture throughout his whole filmography. So that it's tough to say if the film stuff looks so different than the digital stuff. Um, I do think it's telling though that the next film, Night and Day, is his longest film, hmm. and um, I do think the on-site in Paris um, production and the length of the film enabled him to just you know kind of shoot a lot mm, yeah um, that's interesting yeah he's still a low take you know director as far as how many takes it takes to um you know his his cutting ratio is very very small but i do think he was able to i think move a little faster with digital yeah and there's something with the digital cinematography the cleanness of it that seems to me to match the cleanness of his setups and um his editing and just the sort of master shot style that he has that I feel like there's a sort of parallel there for me. I agree. Um, um, so this film is also tilted a little bit more towards conventional cinema with its multiple setups per scene. There's even a score. This is all stuff he's pretty much done away with ever since. Um, and he hasn't looked back just like with film. Um, the, also, this uh, film contains some of his signature zooms. Um, I'm curious mm. to know how you feel those um, have changed throughout his work and what we might, what kind of meaning we might ascribe to the zooms. Yeah, so I, I'm fascinated with the zooms. I when when people talk about his zooms, there's a lot of, um, and it's going to be ironic coming from me, who's someone who's written a paper about it. But there's a lot of overanalyzing and, or maybe I should say, over uh, interpreting of the zooms and. The meaning of it is is um, is the source of all uh, intrigue. Uh, what does it mean to what does it mean to zoom? Um, and I think our talk earlier about like his ideas about reality and um, just ontology as a whole are often brought together with the zoom and in uh, into in uh, either critical or academic discussion. And there's stuff to talk about there for sure. But I think. What Woman on the Beach shows is that they're, the zooms are actually kind of, I, I think, kind of straightforward and, and even have a sort of banal function. Mm -hmm. They are very functional and at directing attention, at um, kind of providing sort of sleek transitions between shots. There's a great, I like some of the moments like on, on the beach in this film where you sort of start on a starfish mm -hmm. in the sand and then you zoom out and you see the you see the uh the woman next to it and then it sort of zooms out further and it's a conversation begins so um the zoom sort of functions to uh sometimes direct attention in or just bring it out from a sort of moment of close-up and give you the greater context after um the question earlier about what digital might do maybe judging by some of the later films that digital i think for a few films let him uh go a little crazier on the zooms um i'm thinking specifically ha 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 a few years after uh that's 2010 that film has some outstanding and i think very noticeable beyond even functional like like just outre and in your face zooms um 
we're talking like one that goes through a, a window and you see the you see a beggar on the pier um, hundreds of feet away and then we pull back and we're at a table of people eating um, stuff stuff like that um, is not seen in women on the mm-hmm. beach and it's really not seen in most of his films uh, for the most part we're dealing with just a zoom in to people at a table uh, a zoom in to facilitate a scene transition as I mentioned they, they serve a, I mean, they do sort of punctuate moments. I, I mean, that's the clearest yes. reason that he uses them. And they do sort of adjust the tempo without having to cut. Exactly. I think it's a, there's a rhythmic quality mm-hmm. to them. There's a lot of functions to them. I don't know if there's a lot of uh, meaning uh, in themselves to the zooms. I think with him, he's so great at making his own um, aesthetic. That's also kind of an ethic. And you sort of, once once he introduces a new device like the zoom here it sort of just folds in and becomes i think um it, it's it's tough to imagine them without them at, the, at a certain point because of that i think they should be viewed as not carrying so much weight mm. because that's i think what the dialogue and what the plot structures will be doing more of um the zoom is sort of now just another thing like the way characters are blocked and the way they face or don't face camera the the camera which is to say there can be meaning in some of those um little choices but uh overall they are there to sort of carry the the plot forward so before we go uh there's one character in this film that we haven't yet discussed which is dory who's a dog that we see pass between owners (laughs) in the film and uh zach i know you wanted to talk about dory so what do you uh take from her the presence of this dog in the movie. Oh, yeah. I, well, I was spurred to think about it because your conversation with uh, David on Hill of Freedom, you brought up the, the cute little fluffy dog. And um, I think there is uh, an aesthetic of cuteness that pervades some of his films, yeah. and especially his some of his later films, like Hill of Freedom. Um, a, a, a dog in the corner is a nice ornament of, of cuteness. And... Um, uh, I think that's actually kind of refreshing in the sort of scheme of in the, in the grand um, landscape of art cinema. Um, dogs are not often treated well in art cinema, and that's something I don't I don't care for that much. <laughs> As a fan of art cinema, I, I I grit my teeth through a lot of it when um, you know there's there's animal abuse, especially of as soon of as dogs. you see an animal turn up, um, you're just like, uh oh. I know. That said, Dory is an interesting example. She shows up three times, as I recall in the film. I think the treatment here is sort of toes the line very carefully between, um, you know, using dogs to maybe convey some bit of emotional distress. Um, the dog itself is not a, you know, main character. I think it's the dog's, uh, treatment is, is, is there to maybe catalyze some discussion and, and even anger within Moonsook that then leads to the conversations we were talking about earlier of, of confrontation between her and Jung Rae. But um, at the same time, there is a somewhat of like an autonomy of this dog that I, I think is, uh, that lingers with me. Um, I think the dog is is there to, uh, a, a little bit out of, there, there is a respect for the animal that I, that I admire, and I think that ties into, like I said earlier, the, the general ethic of Hong's films, which are um, obviously very human-focused, but there's 
little elements of nature and, and even of just sort of other beings that I think flit in and out sometimes. And um, sometimes that's that's something about maybe nature, like whether it's snow or rain, kind of taking on a bit of a powerful force that's even beyond just like cinema, you know, uh, pic- pictorial. I think there's there's even a character to it. But um, Dory here is a as a dog that um, gets abandoned and yet doesn't um, uh, doesn't die. That's good, and and seems to. Um, be maybe dealt a better hand through their abandonment with a with a new better owner um, is is a bit of optimism amongst all the other grim things that sometimes happen in his films that I admire and at the very least he's not going for the miserablest uh, cliches of of animal no, just so alcohol that's, abuse uh, that's, that's a victory on its own just alcohol abuse and. Uh, and, and sometimes that can be no. I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> but yes, um, the dog lives. For anyone who might be uh, hesitant on pulling the trigger because of that, you don't need to worry about it. Um, Zach, thank you so much for that deep dive into Dory, the dog, and Woman on the Beach in general. Um, it's always I know you are a big fan of Hong Sang Soo, so I really appreciate you joining us on the podcast to talk about this film. Thanks so much for having me, and keep up the great work. Mm-hmm.